This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. I am the only one here today because it's Friday, it's sunny, and all my rotating co-hosts happen to be sitting in very sunny destinations, and they send me here to coop me up in the recording studio. So lots to unpack this week. We had a 25 basis point increase in this recent meeting here for the Bank of Canada. Uh, slightly moving it up. They've kind of left the window open for potential other increases, it sounds like, uh, which will be interesting to see how it plays out. Lots of chatter going on right now throughout the real estate community there with the increase. Definitely think it will provide a small pause to some people's thinking, but I don't think it's going to have dramatic impact just yet. If any, I do have advice for all those people out there, as I did hear some clients that were a little concerned that the 25 basis point increase will have dramatic impact on their purchasing. And I, my advice to them is if it doesn't work now with a 25% or 25 basis point increase, it didn't work before. If your margins are that tight on it and that little bit there is pushing it up, I would definitely maybe relook at that asset. And on today's show, we have an excellent show lined up here. We have Sean Bouchard, who is the Chief Operating Officer over at Lorval Developments down here. Uh, a great development company, lots and lots on the go. But today, we're going to key in and kind of focus a lot on the housing market. And we've talked a lot about this on our podcast. I know Matt and Adam have talked a lot about it on theirs. Uh, recently, they attended an event with the housing minister and kind of the challenges that is posing. Today, we're going to unpack the housing issue we have on the rental side of the market and how we can better address that. Lorval is definitely on the forefront of that with some of their rental projects as well as some of their commercial projects, but we're going to unpack all that. So today we have Sean Bouchard, Chief Operating Officer of Lorval Developments. And without further ado, let's get to our interview. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here today with Sean Bouchard, Chief Operating Officer of Lorval Developments. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And Sean, thank you once again for joining us. I know you got a very busy schedule. For our listeners out there, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and Lorval Developments? All right. Well, I've been in the development business for 20 years. 
chief operating officer of Laravel Developments uh, for the last six months. Prior to that, it was with Quadra Homes for 17 years. I love building things. So we just have a great team here and uh, we want to be a part of the housing solution for this region. And no question. And I know today top, today's topic is we're going to tackle the affordable housing issue out there in Lower Valley. Obviously, as I mentioned, you want definitely want to be a part of the solution here. I guess just the obvious answer or the obvious question would be to lead us off is, in your words, can you maybe talk about what the housing issue is and then maybe just very high level what your thoughts are on how we solve that before we dive into it? I sure can. I mean, we, we've had a structural deficit in the supply of housing for over 20 years, and it's just been compounding. Uh, CMHE did a great report last year in June talking about a shortage of three and a half million homes in the country, and that's compounding uh, every year. Uh, this year alone, uh, we have statistics that show that we need about 269,000 homes in Canada. And last year, we only produced 201,000. Uh, and this year, that's going to be even lower because of the rapid interest rate move and then the softness in the market at the beginning of the year. Uh, if we're talking the Metro Vancouver region, uh, we need about 32,500 homes this year. And it looks like we're on pace to be under 18,000. Wow. Uh, so uh, we, we have a very big structural deficit. The most we've ever done in this region on an annual basis is 25,000, just over 25,000. And so even getting to the 32,500 that we need this year would is a monumental task without the other issues that we're dealing with today. So from a from a developer standpoint, obviously, you I mean one of the the things that that's out there is has been out there for a while is obviously the the restrictions on the increases in rent in this past year it's been increased to two percent. How does that impact the decision making on behalf of a developer when you're looking at projects with whether they pencil or don't pencil? Well, that obviously has uh, some merit, but that's not the biggest problem by far. Uh, the biggest problem that we have, if you're, if we're particularly talking about rentals right now, in the lower mainland, rentals have always been a hard decision to make because of the cost of land and other things that we have to deal with in the lower mainland. Uh, so, when you're allocating your capital, you're typically allocating your capital to your best returns, highest and best use, and so that is always a for sale product. Now you're making decisions into the rental. Uh, if you have surplus capital that you want to uh, deploy. Uh, but for the most part, people are pushed to for sale product in the lower mainland. So doing rentals is really difficult. And particularly since February of last year, it's, it's, they just don't pencil at all. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and that's for other reasons we can go into a little more detail a little later if you want. And then obviously, like, I mean, you've provided us with a lot of great literature that we had a chance to go through before before hitting record this morning. Can you maybe walk me through, I mean, obviously you guys are looking at this on a very high level here and in and, and years and years and years, decades of experience of this. What can we do or what can the federal and provincial governments do to try to streamline, to help slowly curve the problem that we have, which obviously is not going away with record-setting immigration rates coming in. How do we, how do we try to get ahead of the need of housing? Great question. Um, and you actually said something that's super important. So 
we've, we've had a structural deficit in the building of homes for over 20 years. And now on top of that, where we've thrown gasoline onto the fire with these massive immigration targets that have been set by the federal government. I'm not saying we don't need that immigration because we have a problem with demographics in this country. And that's why we're having labor shortages that are becoming very acute across the nation. But if we're going to increase immigration to historic levels, then we need to stimulate housing at historic levels. Because not only do we have to meet the demand of this historic immigration, we have a structural deficit in housing that we have to overcome and we have to do the housing to meet the immigration. And so, you know, how, what is the lowest hanging fruit and how could that work in regards to stimulating housing? The fastest way to do that, we know of a lot of these immigration, uh, for the immigrants that are coming in, rental housing is going to be critically important. And particularly in the immigration cities where we have very, very low uh, vacancy rates in some places, you know, half of 1%. And really it's zero because if you're getting 30 people competing for an apartment for rent, you know, you have a very serious problem. Yeah. And then when we when we look at rents as a whole in the country, like in immigration cities, went up as much as 20% in the last 16 months. Um, the only way that can happen is a massive shortage of product. Yeah. If we had an oversupply of rentals, you would never have that rent increase. So what do we need to do to get rentals to three to four four percent vacancy, particularly in immigration cities? If we concentrate on that, that is something that the federal government can stimulate to get at least that going. And I'll give you an example. Because the rental metrics is not penciling out very well at all, there are a lot of projects that are actually approved but have been sidelines because the math doesn't make any sense. I have a saying, when math hits reality, math wins. And so... That's why in Vancouver, there are 80 rental projects on hold. Uh, this is from stats from CMHC. And then we have another 35 affordable rental projects on hold because the math isn't working. So the government, if they could, if they could use a mechanism to change the math, they could unleash 115 projects tomorrow in Metro Vancouver, like the city of Vancouver. Wow, And so that can be replicated across the entire nation. And so that is a low-hanging fruit where the government can change one policy and they could stimulate all of that activity. And why it works so great is if you can stimulate rental housing by allowing developers and charities to use their balance sheets, they can use their cash to do the form market projects, which is what they're pushed to do. Right. Yeah. And so then you can get both streams going at the same time. That's the exciting part about uh, a directing a stimulus like that. So, what does that look like? Is probably the next question. You got it. And so, the words out of my and mouth. so, <laughs> there is a program in this nation that is run through CMHC, which is the Canadian Housing Mortgage Corporation, called the Rental Construction Financing Initiative. So it's part of the national housing program and it's in in my opinion one of the best programs that was ever devised in the last 30 years in regards to stimulating rental housing why is that so 
The reason is, is because it's the only program in the nation where the funding is coming directly from the Bank of Canada to CMHC to the builder developer charity. And normally for rental housing, you go through a bank and then it's backstopped by CMHC and you receive the money. Right. And so, but because they, when they do it that way, you have to use an interest rate, which is prime plus whatever the number would be, one and a half to whatever the program is at that time. You're adding a whole layer of costs that the bank get as profit. And so the great part about the rental construction financing initiative is the money is direct funded through the Bank of Canada. So the interest component that is attached to that loan actually becomes revenue to the Bank of Canada. So it's not a burden on the taxpayer or on the federal government. Now, when it comes to how that loan is on the books, is they take the balance sheet from the developer or charity, they take the asset, and it will balance against the loan amount so it's neutral. And then the interest rate that is being paid is a revenue source. So it's actually not detrimental to the budget of Canada or to the credit rating of Canada. So because of that, you could actually fund a very large amount, 10 billion, 15 billion a year. And it, oh. it won't move the needle on the credit rating of Canada. And then if you make the term of the loan long enough, you can overcome something that I call the four horsemen of the rental apocalypse. So what is that? Please tell us. So well, so the four horsemen is number one, the largest interest rate percentage move in the history of Canada. Two, cap rates have been moving up with that interest rate rise. And the cap rate is how you determine the value of a rental building. Yep. And it's based off net operating income. So when cap rates go up, the building is worth less. And so um, that means we have to raise the rent to make up for that difference. When interest rates go up on our loans, that we have to take that difference, raise the rents to accommodate for that. The third one is inflation. So we've had this big inflation move starting pretty much last January, not so not this January, the one prior. And uh, that's been very significant. So again, we have to raise the rents to make up for that. Well, how was the inflation primarily caused in this country? Well, that was from, I'll just use the words of the Bank of Canada, which came out in March. They posted on their website that they said, we have to raise interest rates in this nation to try to curb inflation. But inflation has been primarily caused from a broken supply chain, higher shipping costs, and higher energy costs. Yep. So I don't know how interest rates raising them up fixes the three prominent things that have caused inflation, in my opinion. It actually just feeds the beast, Yeah. It, yep. making all those things more expensive. So it becomes a, a reciprocating loop. So I understand that they wanted to temper the housing market in Canada because the retail price for market sales was really racing in immigration cities. Yeah. So maybe they could have targeted that specifically and left the interest rates where they were for everything else, general economy, because we need to stimulate housing and the, the, inter the current interest rate policy is not stimulating any housing whatsoever. 
it's actually making it very difficult for people to buy and it's making it very difficult for people to build rentals, which we desperately need. So when you describe your thoughts on this, and it seems very logical to me, why wouldn't the federal and provincial governments look at programs like this with CHMC to try to stimulate and create a much easier path to development for developers that can bring housing to market? Why, why wouldn't they exercise their, their ability to do this? And that's a question I don't have an answer for. I have reached out to all levels of government and all the significant departments who can make that decision, and I have not received an answer. So I guess I would leave it to them or people to ask them why they wouldn't embrace something like this. It seems very logical. Uh, and, and even how you sort of paint the picture on the math on the federal government side of things, it's not at a deficit that they're doing this. They're, they're actually in a position they can, they can probably exercise something similar to how you've portrayed this and not put themselves in a bad position to do so. And I just, I, I struggle sometimes, and maybe we'll touch base on this in a second here, is when you look at cities, and we'll just say the city of Vancouver, when developers have CAC fees and DCC fees that seem like they're going up exponentially year over year, that has a big problem contributing to the housing ability, whether you're buying a house or you're a developer trying to build a house. What are your thoughts around municipalities and that and, and DCCs and CACs and stuff like that? Do you have insight or a thought on how local municipalities and cities could tackle that or what they could offer from an incentive or reduce stuff in order to incentivize developers to come build rental housing? Yes, I certainly can. And so, I mean, the, that is actually the four horsemen of the rental apocalypse is these increasing fees and land prices. You know, I combine them together. That's number four for me. But what they can do is there's, um, I have worked in a municipality where they actually were going to waive their DCCs and waive their CACs and do some tax abatement on the improvements of the building to try to stimulate some affordable rentals in the community. And we had that all wrapped up. And then last uh, February of 2022, when the interest rates changed direction and really started to spike upwards, we tried to keep that project together and then the math didn't work anymore. And then we had to give those credits back. And we had to shelve this the rental project. And so there are municipalities that will do that. They will give developers relaxation on density. They'll give them relaxation on DCCs, on community amenity benefits. They might even give them some tax abatement. And they'll, they might even expedite the approval process. And they might even give bonus density, right? I call the bonus density is the power of the pen. The municipality you know, with a stroke of a pen, give developers extra density in the right places. And that creates value. That value then can be used to help subsidize a performa so that, you know, we can get rents to a better level than what market might be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think, I mean, it's frustrating how you, you describe all these projects that are sitting on the sidelines and they're not penciling. And obviously, interest rates are having that you know, impact on that as well. What are your thoughts on, you mean, the BOC raising the rates 25 basis points this week? And it sounds like, you I mean, if you read the minutes, it sounds like another increase may be inevitable at this point if things continue to trend. What are your thoughts on the interest rate market right now and and, and the obviously dramatic impact that's having on the ability to build rental housing? Well, it just makes it all worse. So it, it's, a, it's a situation that uh, it, it doesn't help at all. And so... The government is wanting to, they're saying on one side that they want more rentals, they want more affordable rentals, they want more housing. But the interest rate policy is in direct conflict with achieving that goal. 
And so if if they continue to raise rates, they're just going to make the housing less affordable. They're going to slow down the production of the housing that we need. And so that has to change. Like you can't have both. They just they're just too much in conflict. Yeah. When we look at these all these housing issues that we're having, do you think the removal of we currently have the the rental restrictions on the increases? Do you think removing that rental restriction on the annual increase will create a streamline for developers or excite more developers to come to market? Obviously, it would have an impact on the rental market, probably in a negative way from a renter standpoint in the short term. But does enough supply come online over, say, a three, four, five year period that we actually might see a plateau in continuing to raise rents because enough supplies come online in that same time period? Another great question. Hard to answer. And here's why. Because even if even if you took a rental restriction off, when we build a rental unit for the first time and we're putting new tenants into that building, we're setting the rate when they come in at the time that they come in. Yeah. So we can actually take advantage of rental increases from the time we conceive the project till the time we actually have the first person moving in. So it's when that first person moving in, then the rate is set at that time until they move out. And then we have our incremental increases that are legislated. So the bigger problem is, does it even pencil out at current rates without the rates going up substantially? And so just last February, 2022, if I were to buy a piece of dirt today and then try to pencil out the math, yeah. I have to have rents go up somewhere between 50 and 70%, depending on the region, from current levels to make the math the same as it was two and a half years ago to three years ago. Wow. So that is actually shocking. And we don't want rents. I, as a developer, I don't want rents to be that high. I want a stable market. I want to be able to bring a product to market that is nice and good and affordable. I want our children in Canada to be able to stay in the regions where they were born. I don't want to have them to have to move to other places of the country because they can't afford to live in the neighborhoods where they have their community. That's how communities are destroyed. So that is that is not something I don't want higher rents. I don't think any reasonable person wants higher rents compared to what we have in immigration cities right now, because quite frankly, I don't know how the average person making the average salary in Canada is actually making everything work right now with the massive increase in rents that we've seen and the massive price increases of inflation we've seen. And if you actually happen to own something and you were on a variable mortgage, That's been a dramatic change for people. Here's an example. So I have a coworker. They own a townhouse in Langley. That mortgage last year, 2022 in February, was $2,200 a month on a variable. It's now $4,200 a month. And this person makes $90,000. How do you make up that kind of change? Right? And so... What the bank did with them, because they were go- it was a fixed variable, so he was going negative every month. The bank gave him a call, said, we'll just go interest only with you for now until the end of your five-year term. 
And so his mortgage now is something like $3,300. Even then, that's dramatic when it's $1,100 a month after tax money for this family. So this is the kind of stuff we don't want in our country, my opinion. No, agreed. Agreed. And I, I look at it from, if I'm in your shoes as a developer, I'm looking at record setting or extremely high land prices. I'm looking at interest rates that have gone up in a historical fast to get to where they are today. I have construction costs that are are probably still dramatically higher and probably at record setting numbers than they were two or three years ago. I have a cap on my rental restrictions on a year over year basis, yet I have my operating costs through a gross rent thing, you know, probably outpacing my rents annually with property taxes and insurances and garbage and recycling and water and all the fun costs that come to a landlord before your capital improvement costs. How and why would anyone want to build more housing on the resident on the rental side of things, knowing the current environment that we're in, where we've come from and where we're going? Well, again, great point. What we have is uh, like from a rental standpoint, too high of a risk right now. Like we have sites that we we were going to do rental and we're looking at the changes that we have to do every two weeks. And we're going, this is too much risk for us. Now on a for market side, you have to, if you're going to market, you have to be very careful. You have to have very complete plans. You have to have them tendered. Then you go to the market because you know that whatever you're selling it for, that you can actually have a reasonable chance of building it and not destroying your profit margin along the way. So then the question would come is, what kind of policy could the federal government, because they're the only ones who can do this, that we could put into place that can maybe overcome a bunch of these problems and issues and bring some stability into the performa and into the math equation so that you could have more people then who would take the risk to build the product that we need. And so I just want to jump back a little bit to the quarter point interest rate hike that the yeah. government just did. When I put that in, I got a performa just opened up here. So I just said, hey, what would that mean to a monthly rent increase to cover that little quarter point increase that happened a couple of days ago now? So that's $68 a month. That one quarter point translates into a $68 per month increase in rent to make the performa the same as it was on Friday. Per unit, $68 per, per unit. unit. Which is, $68 per unit. Which adds up, you know, you're probably what, 758 bucks more a year to that tenant. Yes. Adds up fast. Yeah. So if, you know, even if you, so this is the kind of stuff that's happening. So when we've had a 3% interest rate move since February of last year, now you're talking very significant dollars. Yeah. So to the average rent. So that is, so their interest rate move from the beginning is $817 per month increase in rent to make the performa the same as it was before. Unbelievable. Just that one item. And then, it, so then if you take inflation, that is $333 a month. Then if you take the cap rate difference, uh, that would be $370 a month. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at $1,400, $1,500, $1,600 a month more that you're going to have to get from that one tenant in that one unit to make your numbers That's match correct. from where they were three years ago. Yeah. And then now if you add the fourth thing, which would be land and the increase in fees that, that have been happening across because they're dealing with inflation too, the municipalities. Yeah. That's another almost $400 a month. So, 
So, you know, that's why rents went 20% in the last little bit here because there's no choice. So how do we solve it? What What is, if there was one strike to the jugular that solved the problem? Is it federal? Is it provincial? Is it municipal? What is the one thing, one stroke of the pen and, and from who that would instantly, okay. hopefully charge this rental Here's, market? So it's a, can be a single, like, okay, the number one most important thing to do is for the federal government to create an incentive for nonprofits and for-profit businesses to build rentals again in yep. on mass. And so the way that they could, this is what they did in the late seventies and early eighties. Okay. And, but that was a, that was a tax incentive. So the government was stroking checks. They actually had to pay for all that incentive work. They could do it the way that we talked about where they direct fund from the bank of Canada. They can use the mechanism that is already in place with the rental construction financing initiative. And then what they need to do is just change the rules that they have and how they do the funding. So number one, instead of a 10-year term, make it 30-year term. And in doing that, they will the cap rate will go down because of the long term. And then they fix the interest rate at 0.75%. Okay. And so if they fix the interest rate at that level with a 30-year term, they keep the same amount of leverage that they were allowing in the RCFI, and, and they are actually the RCFI allowed up to 100% leverage if you hit certain metrics in regards to your rent through the debt service ratio. Uh, but if they move the debt service ratio from 1.2 to 1.1, and then they, they made the funding basically unlimited as long as it was just designed for these rentals, and they could even attach a bit of affordability component in it. So it's like you have to be 10% across the board below market and you automatically get the funding. And then uh, with that, they would, they would give you an, a conditional approval level prior to the property being rezoned. Because right now you have to zone the property first. Then you have to go to CMHC and it's a bit of competition to get the money. And you don't know if you're going to get it or not. And if you're making promises to a municipality to do something and you don't know your funding is lined up, you're taking a big risk. And so you, most people don't want to take that risk. So they should allow allocations prior to rezoning. And so with these uh, changes, I you can eliminate, number one, that huge interest rate rise. You can eliminate the cap rate rise. And because of the cheaper money at that, you can absorb a bunch of the inflation, uh, inflation we've had. And so you can fix a lot of the problems. Now, if land in immigration cities has gone up quite a lot in the last two or three years, that's where the provincial and federal governments could also kick in and do inventory of all the lands they own. And municipalities can do this too. And they can say, okay, if we want to stimulate some rentals, we're going to, we're going to put this land up at a, at, a, at a different price as long as all those savings go into a reduction of rent. And then that's how we can make up for a bunch of these things. And then if you have the provinces, which this province, they're, they're trying to speed up approval processes and getting a bit of the red tape away. So in certain municipalities, it doesn't take five to six years to get your zoning. Maybe you get it in one. And then, of course, all the interest savings of carrying all that land for all that time, again, fall into the performa, and then it becomes, you can make the rent less. 
And then you take all the other programs that they use to support the nonprofits and you layer it all together. And then that way you can build performance that can overcome the problem we have. And we can unleash a building boom for rentals in this country that we haven't seen since the late 70s and 80s. It doesn't seem too complicated how you describe it. It probably translates to a renter as very frustrating if it doesn't seem like it's an overbearing challenge to fix with multilevel governments that aren't even doing it at a, at, a, at a deficit. So I don't know if this is something you have on your agenda or your bucket list, but I would vote for you for premier. So I'll just throw that out there. And I guess as a final question, <laughs> as a final question, Sean, Laval, you guys are everywhere. What markets are you guys excited about? I mean, obviously we're talking about, you I mean, you guys are, are all over the province. Is there any particular markets maybe that you guys are excited about heading into the, the end of 2023, 2024? Well, you know, I'm excited to be in the development business because one of our tenants here is we're, we want to build and we want to, you know, help the country as a whole in regards to housing solutions. And so the Metro Vancouver is where I live. We, I love the Metro Vancouver. I love developing in Metro Vancouver. We're very committed here. And we also, we have a, a in the Kelowna region. And so those are the two areas where we're, we're really excited about for this year and next year. That sounds great, Sean. Before we let you go, we have a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests. We get to know you a little bit more outside of the office. Do you have just a few more minutes for us today? I certainly do. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. First question up there, Sean, favorite band or musician? Favorite band or musician? Oh, uh, favorite band or musician? Uh, you know what? Circle back to that because I'm going to get a bunch of ties in my head here, but we'll, I'll answer some more questions and I'm going to circle back. Done. Next question up. You find yourself on death row. Unfortunately, you're given one last meal before it's all said and done. What is that meal? Oh, okay. Well, that's an easy one for me. I, I love a great steak. Give me a baked potato with sour cream, fried mushrooms and beans with butter. Uh, that would, I would be very happy. Sounds tremendous. Sounds tremendous. I, I know you're a busy guy, but when you, when you find the time, favorite vacation spot? Mm. Uh, I, like, I like Mexico. And the reason is, is I can go and relax and do nothing. And I can walk to like six different restaurants and I don't have to do anything. And I can just think and read and, and just spend time with the family. I love it. Any particular part of Mexico? Um, Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Good choice. Good choice. A book recommendation for our listeners. So this one is, uh, it's called The New Psychology of Achievement and it's by Brian Tracy. He's been around for a long time. He's got a lot of material, but I recommend this to everybody who just want, if they want to do any kind of personal improvement for themselves, this is just a fantastic book. What show are you currently binge watching on Netflix or Amazon? I, I don't binge watch shows at all. Um, what I do do is binge watch YouTube videos on artificial intelligence. Oh, there you go. That, that's, that's the first we've had, to be honest with you. That's good. And what, what are your thoughts on uh, AI? What's your, what's your take on it? 
I think everybody should spend a lot of time understanding it very clearly. I think it's going to radically change the world at a pace we've never, ever seen before. And I think everybody should really look at it, see how they might be able to implement it into everything that they do. Good advice. You're in Mexico. The sun's going down. You've had a few glasses of wine. Somebody hands you a karaoke mic. What song are you singing? Wow. That, uh, first of all, I don't think many people want to hear me sing. (laughs) That's one thing. But uh, very good question. You know what the problem is? Is I don't remember words of songs very well until I'm singing them. So, my goodness, uh, that's a very good question. We're forcing you to think this morning. We're forcing you to think. Yeah, you are. Raise a hallelujah. There you go. That's great option. Great option. And last question yeah. of the day. We're going to circle back to it. Favorite band or musician? Okay, so Bethel Music is is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time. How can our listeners find out more about what you're doing, uh, your solutions to the housing crisis and Lorval developments? Well, they can just reach out to me and uh, I'm happy to answer you know people's questions about my ideas. Excellent. Well, Sean, we know you're a busy guy. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And uh, good luck in the quest out there. And like I said, I think uh, how you broke it down today and kind of you know brought forward some very, very creative yet, I think, you know, very realistic solutions. Hopefully we have some people in the politician world listening to this that will jump on board with you. All right. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, love your show. Uh, Keep up the great work. Thanks so much, Sean. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. Our interview today with Sean Bouchard of Lorval Developments. A lot of takeaways there. When you hear somebody who's on the forefront dealing with this on the development side of the business, it almost seems very obvious what the problem is and how we can correct these issues. It becomes frustrating when it gets up to the political side of it and things take so long to deal with or so many things are thrown at it that may or may not be relevant or may not even help the problem and in some cases make the problem even worse than what it is. Sean did a great job unpacking that. I know it's gonna, it's a very heated topic, a very heated debate that's not going to go away anytime soon, but no matter how we want to address it, It has to be addressed because immigration numbers are record-setting here in this province. More and more people are coming. We need to deal with this on the front side of it. So a great episode there. We definitely thank Sean for his time. For all those people looking to get in contact to talk commercial real estate, they want to sell their commercial real estate, they want to lease their commercial real estate, they can reach out to me anytime by email at corey at williamwright.ca. They can call our Vancouver office, 604-28-5255, and let us know what you're looking for, and we'll put you in touch with the best broker in the province to help service your assets. And they can go to our website, williamwright.ca, sign up for the latest and greatest news. And on that note, we're going to leave it there. We'll be back next week with another amazing episode. And hopefully, fingers crossed, my co-host will show up and we can uh, we can have two of us doing this versus them all sitting on a beach somewhere sunny and them compacting me into a recording studio on a Friday afternoon. So thanks for listening, guys. Take care and we'll talk to you next week. Subscribe today.